Despite it coming about swiftly, the event that shook the world. Queues formed for miles and miles with no shortage of celebrity faces, but eventually, each and every one got their very own free medium Pepsi from the Giants. Welcome to And The Kick Is Good. Tucker, it would be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! Crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good! Time has expired. Justin Tucker... Yes, hello and welcome to episode 105 of the And The Kick Is Good podcast. My name's Tom, I'm your host, and I'm joined by Just Brad this week. Say hello, Just Brad. Hello, Just Brad. We are... Wait, that's me. Yes, it is. Smee, Smee, what about me? We are a man down this week. Colm is doing niff-naff and trivia somewhere around the, the sort of circuits of Oxford. Um, something about a new Cambridge, job. I believe. Cambridge, Oxford. It's all the same, isn't it, really? Um, really, yeah. It's all Toff City. So um, he has left us in charge of you, the listener, for an entire week. So how you will go without the audio issues that, that normally come with Colin, <laughs> the somewhat decent analysis and the going to bat for Kyle Shanahan regardless of whatever the fuck he's done this week. I'm not sure, but we will hasten to shepherd you through another week of NFL news and action um, on the slate this week. We will go through all of the week two games. Um, there were some great games and there were some truly terrible games. Um, kind of an equal measure. Um, in fact, there were some truly terrible games that just had really good endings as well. Um, <laughs> and then we will look forward to the week two, uh, week three games even. Um, and I've just realised, I guess me and you just draft this week, don't we? And Colin gets whatever we leave him. We'll handle that off the <laughs> off air. We'll, we'll give him a fair shot. You are a nicer person than I, Brad. You are a nicer hey, person than I. I had a fantastic game draft <laughs> week. If you go back and look at the slate of games that I had... Before we have to cover for Colum's game, I was, I, I would be talking for forty-five minutes just by myself. Um, well, I on mean, some it, of these games. Yeah, Thursday night football. Before we get into it, Thursday night football was always going to be basically the best game of the week, and it may not have been the best quality game of the week, but it 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 one hundred percent brought the most talking points out of it. And we are a podcast that enjoys talking about American football, so from that standpoint, it was the best game of the week. Anyway. In your opinion, <laughs> any one of the five games that I picked could have been that could have won that award. Shall we? Shall we get into them then, Brad? Yes, uh, and in in my game of the week, uh, whether it's right or not, uh, and I think definitely in the NFL's game of the week because hey, this is this no defense home run highlights only sort of content. Uh, we're going to start with Miami at the Baltimore Ravens in what was a uh, one of the most miraculous comebacks I think that I've ever Brad, seen. Brad, you I can witnessed... say it. It's a certified barn burner. It is, it is, a, <laughs> it is a column trademarked and ratified barn burner. Not, not since the miracle at the Meadowlands 2 have I been uh, this upset on behalf of another team. <laughs> Um, or you know, like this is this was ridiculous, uh, and this is in a weekend like filled with comebacks, as you mentioned. Like this, just is this is a will go down, could go down as an all timer. 
um, for, for multiple narratives that we'll get to. But the other thing is, it's not just a comeback, it's a collapse. I don't think you've of... actually said the score for what it's worth. Oh, it's 42-38 to the Dolphins on a, a ridiculous fourth quarter where the Dolphins started it 21 points down and proceed to tear off four straight touchdown drives after three quarters of up and down play from their offense. But yeah, the, 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 the it's a disproportionate collapse as well from the Ravens um, who had held the Dolphins to just seven points in the first half and had two interceptions of Tua uh, to concede obviously 35 in the second it, it, it's insane um, Tua himself finished the day 36-50 uh, 469 yards six touchdowns and those two interceptions Tariq Hill had 11 catches, 109 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle, 171 yards, uh, 11 catches as well, I believe, and two touchdowns. And this this Ravens defense had absolutely no answer for the Miami Dolphins receiving speed. And their defense can only, in the second half, can only be described as just pure vibes of, hey, let's hope the front four can sort this out because we ain't got a fucking clue what we're doing back here, some, what we're supposed to do. Some some notes on the Ravens' defense. Um, uh, outside linebacker Stephen Means has torn his Achilles. He's out for the season. Um, Marcus Williams went down in the second half of this one. I don't know if he re-entered the game. You might have to um, kind of tell me if that happened or not. But they also entered into the game with like cornerbacks at 80%. Um, I want to say Kyle Hamilton. Kyle, oh, sorry, <clears throat> I want to say Kyle Hamilton, the rookie safety. But Kyle might not be his first name. Um, they all sort of it merge is Kyle into Hamilton. one at this point. He had a pretty sort of rough introduction to the NFL on this game. Um, not as bad as fellow rookie Jalen Armour Davis, who <laughs> was bullied. There, his PFF grade for the rest of the season is going to be mudded off this one game. <laughs> He could have three picks next week and it will still be in the trash for what they served up to him. Tua Tungavailoa threw for more yards in the fourth quarter than Mitchell Trubisky has in the entire season so far. Oh, don't get me started. There's plenty more of that in the S. Those sorts of stats in the North. Yeah, yeah um, the North's a weird and- old division. <laughs> Hence why I was starting with it. Um, and the, the, the big one that I saw, teams were 0-576 uh, when trailing by 21-plus points entering the fourth quarter in NFL history. And this Dolphins team overturned that. And for what it's worth, I saw some people say, oh, well, this is just, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jaden Waddle. It's it wasn't. Tua was He threw some dimes to Gasicki. The the touchdown was it the touchdown two point conversion, the yeah, back the of the touchdown end zone. to the touchdown to Gasicki where Gasicki has to jump and the ball is somewhere about what eight and a half feet in it, the air. At least. And Gasicki gets up over the only Tua delivers it the only place to a place where only Kasiki can get it there's yeah. nothing the safety can do and Kasiki gets it gets down and toe taps like drags himself in as well um it's close but there's not enough to overturn it but it's it it's still a great play great throw I, I mentioned... he finds wad all over the middle multiple times and for the deep balls Several deep balls, um, and I know we criticised it at one point, but there was the the big one to to Tyreek Hill where he does sort of beat two defenders. He puts it 
exactly where Hill is so Hill can just get the additional two or three yards that he needs to get over the line. Like, it is not an underthrow or an over... You know, it's literally just... Here it is in the breadbasket, big score. Like, Beautiful throws. A, a, a word on both of the quarterbacks. Um, first on, on Tua to continue kind of that that thought scale. But what I think is going to be really nice now um, is week to week, we get to compare Herbert, Tua and Burrow because they all have a supporting cast. They all obviously have the talent to play in the NFL and you can argue... Um, you know, maybe two doesn't have the arm strength, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, they, they are all NFL starters going forward, right? And so, a week bold. To- can I just say a bold statement to say? And this is skipping ahead a little bit. <laughs> when Herbert Harris is now has a pretty rough injury that's very difficult to watch, and jo- and Joe Burrow does not have a supporting cast of five yes, capable linemen. I mean, you know. <laughs> medium you know term you right over the next two to three years and that's just fun like that's just one of those things that as long as you don't get carried away with twitter you can just literally watch these three guys that all came into the nfl together ball the fuck out sort it's of sort of like because... roethlisberger rivers um manning sort of you know i was about to say it's fun because they're not our quarterbacks and we don't know people that are those quarterbacks fans but that's what the, what's the so other fun thing and the thing that that you have buried to an extent, is just how no, well Lamar Jackson played in this game. That was actually my next point, was talk about how much the Dolphins and Tua have done. But Lamar Jackson was literally, I think, like two passes of a perfect QBR. He played near enough the the fully complete game. If I tell you 21-29, 318 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, nine rushes, 119 yards, and a rushing touchdown... And the fact that the Ravens put up 38 points, you go, wow, Lamar Jackson had a great day. And he looked fantastic. There was, there was, there was nay a hair wrong in his performance. Even when they tied the game, he led the charge and got them to the point where they could kick the field goal. This defense just completely imploded in the second half. And that's undermined everything. And through two weeks, Lamar Jackson looks the 50 million dollar man oh, shit. I, Without doubt. I don't I don't see how if this continues even for for 13 of the next 16 weeks or 10 of the next 16 weeks I don't see how the Ravens have a leg to stand on where they aren't fully guaranteeing this man yeah, because you are completely my correct. word you are completely correct he, he has done this perfectly so far um, in terms of play complete lights out ball have the balls and the stones to actually go through with it and bet on himself. Um, there was a report that came out, I think it was Sunday morning, um, that's, that is claiming that he will not play on the franchise tag. That's fair enough. He will still be tagged if they haven't received, you know, that will be the first thing this offseason. He will get the franchise if, tag. If he is, he can be tagged. If then, if he's not going to play on the tag or they're not going to give him the contract, 25 other teams in the league <laughs> yeah, will. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, it's a perfect situation for both of them, like for both teams. They're going to get absolutely lights out play, and regardless, they're going to get a haul back. But there will be a lot of questions at, come the end of the season where Lamar Jackson could be a second time MVP and the Ravens aren't giving him a contract. It, it's it's going to be a lot fun to watch. The other, the other thing, just a little cherry on top for this game. Uh, if you go back and watch it, Kevin Harlan on commentary. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're just sticking the boot into me now, aren't you? Oh, this is this is this is beautiful. Uh, er, er, literally the perfect game I could have on a Sunday to watch. 
and so, six pm as well. So you, oh, you, 6 yeah, PM. everything. Right. I could look away from the Giants Carolina and look over to that. It was oh, <laughs> such a nice little thing. That game finished early, so I could watch the last ten minutes of this in peace. <laughs> Uh, next game on the docket is uh, or, or was Columns that's Cincinnati <laughs> versus Dallas um, he has given us a blurb to read for all of his games um, that, that he did select um, I'll tell you that uh, the Dallas Cowboys won 20-17 to 17, and I shall begin reading the ramblings of a madman um, Cooper Rush maintains his 100% record as a starting quarterback thanks to a game winning field goal which papered over the offensive collapse which occurred in the second half Rush engineered touchdown drives on his first two possessions and Dallas defied convention of stripping back your playbook with a backup quarterback. Instead, the Cowboys were aggressive and pushed the ball downfield. Once they had the lead, though, the aggression and rhythm left the offense with any great consistency for the rest of the game. The Bengals, for their part, might be actively trying to kill Joe Burrow before they have to pay him his big (laughs) contract. Um, Burrow was sacked six times this week as the offense stuttered mightily with little support from the ground game to assist Burrow in marching down the field. Just to add on to that, Burrow is currently set to be sacked 118 times this season if this current pace continues. Three ever McPherson field goals kept the Bengals within sight until the Bengals were finally able to reach the end zone and add a two-point conversion to tie the game up. The Bengals were given the ball back with two minutes to play, but for some bizarre reason tried to put conservative... Tried to play conservative... Oh, what does this say? (laughs) <laughs> but for some bizarre reason, tried to out-conservative the Cowboys, uh, autocorrect got him there, I reckon, and refused yeah. to attempt a pass beyond the sticks. A three-and-out gave Rush the final opportunity he needed to orchestrate a field goal-winning drive. Cowboys' defense looks ferocious and should be the heart of the heart until Dak is healthy <laughs> enough to return. Heart of the team. <laughs> Probably. Um, or the... heart of the cards. Big Yu-Gi-Oh fan. <laughs> the Bengals oh, once hard. again got level after coming from behind, only to choke with the game on the line. Hopefully this isn't habit forming for them. Um, I think that's a decent summary of the game. I think we don't really need to touch more, like any more on what happened in the game. More, there are two sides to this story, right? One is that the D- Dallas defensive line looks terrifying. Um, Michael Par- Michael Parsons, Neville Gallimore... Um, Lawrence and then whoever the fourth guy they want to stick on the line like me or, <laughs> me or you would probably end up getting a couple of sacks just clearing up um, and, and I think that's where Dallas is going to find su- uh, any sort of success because C.D. Lamb is a good wide receiver but without Dak he's he's going to be fine and that running game bar like a little Tony Pollard burst here or there isn't getting it done so they are going to need to win with defensive points or just field possession games. And they, this Bengals team, this is not an accurate reflection of who they are. We knew last year they were just simply a good team at all facets, right? They didn't kill themselves really at any position because their skill position players and Burrow were good enough to overcome the offensive line woes. It just happens to be that they have come up against two of the best front sevens in the league in the first two games and they haven't been able to put it together because, okay, you went out and got like four-fifths of an offensive line. They still have to gel. They still have to get chemistry together and I think that is something that takes a long time. That said, Joe Burrow was seen rushing throws. That will happen when he gets sacked 13 times in two weeks. Um, But did you watch this one closely at all? No, because no. it okay. because no, nothing about it appealed to me. Just, <laughs> the the points got scored early, and then it and it went very quiet. 
And I only really looked up at it when uh, Evan McPherson was kicking field goals. Because it, it never felt like the Bengals were going to trouble Dallas. And it never and Dallas went into conservative mode, as, as Colin mentioned. So I, I do think there's a few get-right games coming up, though, for the Bengals. Joe Mixon this season uh, has, quick back of the napkin maths, 48 attempts for 139 yards on the ground. That is difficult. That is really difficult to do. Don't throw stones in glass houses, Tom, because (laughs) Joe Burrow has been sacked for uh, 73 yards and Najee Harris has carried the ball 25 times for 72 yards. (laughs) So it's currently more effective to sack Joe Burrow than it is to start Najee Harris. (laughs) If you you probably run Joe Burrow backwards, he's going to get more yards. So it's a a good strategy. But yeah, not, not much to this one, but as you say, they face some great front sevens. We'll see how it develops. And the Jets, Dolphins, and Ravens, it's a hard run. They could be one and four. But this is where, I think, for for all his ills, this is where Zach Taylor's ability comes the most into question. They have is... to win next week. They have to yeah. win next week. And and I Ravens is an eminently winnable game in terms of we've just seen what their defense is able to give up. So I don't think, yeah. especially, like, in fact, that Ravens defense is going to be the worst front seven or sort of pass rushing front they're going to face possibly all season. They face the Panthers in the middle of the year. And they get but, to do it twice. Yeah, I mean, I was going to bring that up on the Ravens, but I, we you know, felt like we needed to move on. Like, What you are seeing there is a lack of, of genuine pass rush. Um, and that's, I think that's... That has been the way the league has been going for probably half a decade to a decade now. But if you cannot rush the passer, it really doesn't matter the defensive backs you have because people will just get schemed open. Anyway. Yeah, and we'll get to it later. But, you know, letting someone like uh, Wink Martindale leave. uh, I think it was a great move from the Ravens personally. Um, purely because it's benefited the Giants massively. <laughs> so, <laughs> Go on then, Brad. Keep we'll, we'll, talking. We'll come back to them. Uh, Jets-Browns will continue the AFC uh, no-wins north, as I've called it. Um, where, let me find my notes one second. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> fuck your elf and go fuck yourselves, Browns. <laughs> ha! Um, <laughs> leading by 13 with 1 minute 55 left the Browns fucked this and lost 31-30 and it was beautiful remember how everyone was saying Cade York was clutched last week well he missed an extra point and that opened the door for Joe Flacco and the Jets to just storm in and completely overturn this game in in moments of just pure madness and, and, and much fun to watch on, on Red Zone uh a blown coverage on Corey Davis leads to a massive 60-yard touchdown. The The Jets then recover the onside kick, drive, drive the field in nine plays and in exactly one minute, and then cap it off with Joe uh, Flacco throwing a dart to rookie wide receiver Garrett Wilson for a 15-yard touchdown and a second touchdown of the day. Uh, the resulting extra point was good, and then to cap it all off, Jacoby Brissett throws an interception for the game to be iced. Um, some notes from the game uh, Joe Flacco throws like 
every one could be his last and it's just fun to watch <laughs> and that must be so relaxing and calming to play with as a receiver because he is taking care of his receivers as though he's putting the ball but you know there's just absolutely no pressure if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't ah who cares um it's it, this as I say benefits his receivers wilson had eight catches 102 yards two touchdowns um which was great elijah moore still looks electric when he gets a chance on the flip side, Nick Chubb might just be the best running back in the league, uh, especially when it needs to get done. Three touchdown runs today where he either broke tackles or just completely changed his uh, um, rushing route to avoid guys and avoid tackles, uh, make big cuts to the outside and get the touchdowns. Um, my defense, like in a lot of the AFC North games this weekend, was optional. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, the Browns face the Steelers in a Thursday night game. Jacoby Brissett versus likely Mitch Trubisky is a showdown that I do not want to watch, uh, and will be going my utmost to avoid. Oh dear! Yes, um, this this game. Did you mention that Nick Chubb is catching a lot of heat because he could have gone down at the one, and they literally could have nailed out the game? It, I mean, he, so Nick Chubb scored after the two-minute warning. Um, he went into the end zone, and had he knelt at the one, they could have just knelt down the ball. And Nick Chubb did that last season, I think, broke off a really long touchdown run and went out of bounds before he went in for the score or, or whatever it was. And yeah, just a lot of people really hunting for Chubb after that. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, that is definitely one play that would have literally resulted in a win. But you could also not give up like two touchdowns in the last two minutes not, as yeah. well. About <laughs> 14 points in that's under always two an option. minutes. Um, yeah, like, yeah. get to fuck. You should be able to stop a 37-year-old Joe Flacco <laughs> who hasn't started a full season in, like, four years. Yeah, like, hard to really not enjoy this one as a as a, as a a sort of person with a moral conscience, isn't it? <laughs> all, the, all the stuff before the game as well, the Browns tailgating and all the shameful stuff that came out of that it, it was great to watch them lose this in such brownsian fashion with, with Brissett and... as well because i was looking i was watching this and i was like fuck's sake the browns are going to start 2-0 and and they're going to have played what might be like two of the bottom five teams in the league right now like with with flacco at the, at the jets and some of the injuries i, I will say this a lesson to anyone who listens to this podcast, if you support a team whose quarterback ranks between probably the 30th or 40 uh, to 40th best QB in the league, and you try and hype them up endlessly on Twitter, Tom will take nothing but pure pleasure <laughs> when they inevitably lose you yeah, games. Well, yeah, because Brissett's... Like, we know what Brissett is. Why was anybody <laughs> trying to talk Brissett up? I did not understand <laughs> it. He has been garbage for like three years now. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Right, talk about garbage for about three years now. Uh, Take us to the Steelers, Tom. Honestly, which team does that refer to in this? (laughs) Um, Did Okay, so Column also did. So I'll start with Columns and then I'll I'll try and feed back any. Um, So the score, the Patriots beat the Steelers 17-14. An imperfect game decided by the team which made the fewest errors. Really, neither team seemed totally comfortable, but the difference was a deep touchdown to Nelson Aguilar and multiple Steelers trying to catch the ball with their face mask rather than use their hands. Fans are calling for Kenny Pickett to replace Mitchell Trubisky, but in truth, Mitch executed the offense at a C-plus level, neither great nor dreadful. 
Mitch's biggest flaw is that he needs to get the ball out of his hands a beat quicker. Several occasions, passes were tips deflected because he's a step slow in getting the ball out of his hands and the defense can make a play. This includes the pick where the linebacker is frozen by the play action but is able to get back into the passing lane because of the time it took for the QB to release the ball. The Steelers this year, or at least for this game, seem to want to play a West Coast and grind the run game. However, drops and iffy blocking makes it very difficult to develop rhythm and frequently leaves you in third and long, which is not a situation their offense seems comfortable in. For the Pats, a dub is a dub, which is a very strange thing to read (laughs) from Colm. Like, if he says it, fair enough, but to read that Colm wrote that is very odd. Um, but it's not a win that fills you with it's not a win that fi- fills you with a ton of confidence. A long throw into iffy coverage in a short field thanks to a muff punt accounted for 14 of the team's 17 points. Much of what I said about the Steelers' offense struggle equally applies here. Um, hard to argue with basically any part of that. Um, there is a hell of a lot of blowback post game, basically from the players to the offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Um, Blame Canada. There has been. Do do we need that for the board? Do I need to get that? (laughs) Um, We will. We will need it. It seems like it'll be the case. uh, But there are long-stemming issues uh, through last season where um, Roethlisberger didn't target the middle of the field, and people assumed it was Roethlisberger doing that. Um, Trubisky, I mean, threw Canada basically under a fucking bus post game. um, Said, "Well, if if if." It's like if the coaching staff want to see targets to the middle of the field, um, then call plays that target the middle of the field. <laughs> Which is like, I, oh, okay, and cool. I, and I like that because Mitch Trubisky notably has had an issue throwing it to the left side of the field. So if you are now leaving him with one third of the <laughs> side of the field that he actually likes throwing to where you're going to call plays to, you're going to have a bad time. He, he has thrown well to his left this season. Um, he has struggled in, in some of his reads, though, and some of his processing. Um, he spoke last week about trying to get George Pickens into the game more. They targeted him three times for one reception and missed him on a couple of like what, sh- what should have been targets, where he's in like single coverage down the sideline. It's like Pickens has shown you... like that you should trust him to go up and make at least a play that causes an incompletion. Um, but the biggest worry, I think, um, at least on the offensive side of the ball, is that Najee Harris's vision in terms of running the ball is fucking non-existent right now. He is obviously not healthy. Um, quite how that ends up manifesting itself in you missing a four-yard hold between your centre and guard and instead trying to bounce it to the outside. I'm not sure, but I'm not an NFL running back, so what do I know? Um, But it's a struggle. It's even more of a struggle to watch this offence this year, and I thought it would be because Mitchell Trubisky is just not the quarterback that Roethlisberger was from the shoulders up. Um, The difference was in this game, they didn't sack Mac Jones. TJ Watt is obviously a fucking huge loss. Um, and they just couldn't get off the field at the end. Uh, Patriots had the ball for like six and a half minutes, just ran out the clock, and, and that's how it was. Um, not a fun team to watch either of these two teams. And I thought to myself, about halfway through the, the third quarter, the team that wins this will pick like 12th to 13th, 12th or 13th in the NFL draft, and the team that loses this will pick like 9th. And that's all that this... <laughs> like This was literally a match to see who would pick like later in the draft. That's all this was. If it's any consolation, Tom, the last time an AFC North team drafted a running back who had a good rookie year, they not only proved to have no vision, they got a first round difference. So congrats on that. Uh, Trent Richardson, we hardly knew you. (laughs) 
boy. Uh, let's move on from the sad AFC North, which provided much entertainment for non-AFC North fans, <laughs> uh, to the AFC West or AFC Best, maybe? Um, the Chargers and the Chiefs, we'll start with this one. Uh, it was 27-24 to the Chiefs in a scoreline that suggests the game was closer than it was uh, by the end of it. I'll let PFF have this one, though. Justin Herbert was definitely the better QB this week compared to Patrick Mahomes. But as I mentioned earlier, he now has a rib injury, uh, a rib cartilage, sorry, a fractured rib cartilage, which doesn't sound nice, uh, didn't look nice from when the rest of the game that he was playing. I think I was actively wincing as much as he was watching him try and play out the shotgun. And uh, yeah, so I don't know how much longer we'll see Herbert in the game week to week for them to continue those comparisons, which is a big blow because he did look great. He was dealing earlier on. Um, there were some some issues, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, he was dealing. Mahomes and this Chiefs offense was struggling a bit. Mahomes has acquired a pretty big buff this year, though, in that the refs are there to wave off any interceptions that he may throw. <laughs> Um, which, you know, he's pulled straight out of the old Tom Brady book. Uh, and the Chiefs brought it back from 17-4 down to lead 24-17 in the fourth, thanks to a 41-yard Justin Watson touchdown catch. And Jalen Watson, uh, the rookie, I think, well, not, not the, he may have been the rookie, but uh, I know the big thing was he was working at a Wendy's prior to this season uh, with his mum. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think he's taking... like four, fourth or fifth year, I think, and he's just bounced oh, okay. around, I think. I'm so not, he, I might he, he took that, a 99-yard but... interception to the house on defense, um, which was huge for the Chiefs. 53-yard Clyde Edwards-Alaire run, set up the field goal for 27-17 to 17 lead. Herbert comes back in to lead a touchdown drive to Jalen Palmer, but it was too little, too late. They probably have themselves to blame for this one, though. Wouldn't you agree, Tom? <laughs> nice leading. Um, yeah, do I, is this right? Is this where you've blocked yes. out, eviscerate Brandon Staley here, Tom? Is that is yes? That, this yes, is okay. Let's shit on head coach time. We're, we're we're this is our first. Well, this is our second target. So, do you remember when we got to shit on Anthony Lynn for like three years for throwing three goal line fade to tight ends? <laughs> yeah, well, the Chargers didn't try that, but they tried something very similar, which was essentially keeping a tight end in who was gassed, running hurry-up offense. Um, I think he got three consecutive targets, didn't run the route at all. Herbert still targeted him, threw like, not a good ball either, um, and that's how the 99-yard pick six happened. That was one of a number of failings from... Um, I was going to call him Juice McAllister. That is not who it is. Brandon Staley. <laughs> why is Juice McAllister you, in my head? You leave. Yeah, I don't know why Juice McAllister. I mean, he's, he's running back. Saints he's running back coach for the Lions, I think. But fuck knows. He's why doing he's a fantastic head. fucking job. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to anyway, that later. Keep me on point, or else we'll be here for an hour. With Brandon Staley, Tom. Brandon Staley. Um, Chargers. Mediocre yeah, head coaches. This, this, this head coach who apparently found an identity in this exact fixture last year where he's decided to just go balls to the wall, go for it on fourth down um, against the Chiefs because you know you have to score points against the Chiefs to beat them. Why are you sitting on 24-point leads or, or, or just, sorry, on 24 points and thinking that that was enough to beat this Chiefs team? Your defense had played well, sure, but that's why you go for it on fourth and three continuously because you reckon that 
if you fail at picking up three yards, you can cause the Chiefs to have to punt the ball away or just kick a field goal. Um, there was a lot of discourse on Twitter when they kicked their first field goal. Um, I didn't mind that one so much because I think at that point they just wanted to get some points. Um, but mm. like once you're in the throes of the game and you're in like late second quarter and you... Like, you have to be going for it on fourth and three, fourth and four. Your weapons, okay, you're missing Keenan Allen. I get it. But your weapons at that point, they still had Corey Lindsley in the game. He he was injured um, sort of in the lead up to halftime. I believe he didn't come out after halftime. That changed the entire complexion of the offense. They started having to dump it down because it then meant that the Chiefs switched Chris Jones over and went one-on-one on Matt Filer, and Matt Filer turned into the pumpkin that he always was for the Steelers, and I was like, how are they getting competent guard play out of Matt Filer? <laughs> um, yeah, he got rocked, and that meant that their entire offense changed from that point, but like Herbert played an incredible, gutsy, ballsy, like the new age Phil Rivers playing on a torn ACL game, right? Like Herbert, Herbert came from the school of Ben Roethlisberger drama, with his like leaving the game, coming back in, all of that shit, right? Trying to lead them in on a white pony. But Brandon Staley, you are ten points down in week two against a very good Kansas side with two minutes left. I get that it's a huge game in the context of your division, but you cannot put your fucking talismanic third-year QB, who right now is one of the best three QBs in the game, like, you cannot put him back in there, right? Because if if he punctures a lung, like, fucking whatever, or he fully breaks a rib in that situation, like, that's your season done, because he misses at least, what, six to eight weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. And and then you're you're stuck playing. Um, he still might. Chase Daniel. We don't, is it Chase Daniel? We don't. He's a backup, but yeah, Chase Daniel. Yeah, we, we he still might. We don't know yeah, what fractured rib cartilage means in terms of how he can play. But based on what it looked like, they will be running shotgun, and it is a ticking time bomb. Like if there was there was the one, play before he the chest. launched the 40-yard post that got him into um, touchdown scoring range, where it was like second and three. He rolled out of the pocket. He was basically at the line of scrimmage. There were no defenders in front of him. And he, like, underarm flipped it out of play because he was in so much pain he couldn't walk three yards. And it's like, what? that's the play. Like, because the QB's always going to want to go back in, right? The Q, and and there, are, there have been QB's as long as that that will go back in right but it is up to the head coach to drag that motherfucker off the field and put him on the bench and go look you are not going i have to make this decision both for us as a team and for you as a person and like between the fourth down stuff the way the offense capitulated which again i have attributed somewhat to Corey lindsley but your offense cannot tank the way it did in this game like Okay, they put up seven points in every quarter bar the first where they put up three. So it doesn't it doesn't sound like they tanked that much, but you have to watch the game. The offense completely changed. There's so much about this that I'm like, you know what? It makes so much sense that they haven't played in a playoff game with Justin Herbert. Yeah, like looking did... at this game with with Anthony Lynn, I was gonna call Brandon Staley Anthony Lynn. <laughs> um, just, but just to, to add on to, to the offense and the offensive woes. When are the Chargers going to realize that Austin Eckler just isn't that good of a running back? He is a great gadget player and receiving, but he's not getting it done. His, like, his yards after contact, 
like purely off receptions this game must have been bonkers because the amount of like little flares out he was catching and then making the first two defenders miss rolling out of a tackle and gaining like five or six yards which is talking to your point right he is he is much more of a of an nfl reggie bush than he is you know uh, yeah, a Ladanian Tomlinson. Like, obviously, he's not on Ladanian Tomlinson's level. Like, I'm not even sure he's actually on Reggie Bush's level. But Reggie it Bush... might just be change of pace related. But he is averaged 2.7 yards on 28 attempts so far this season. Meanwhile, Josh Kelly is out here averaging plus five plus, only on eight carries. But Josh Kelly, at least on the sheet, and at least when I see him, he's getting it done in the run game. Whereas Eckler. It feels like just just play him as a slot receiver, play him as, <laughs> as X Factor, play two running back sets, cause some confusion. Because there's a team that did that, that we'll get to later on, and it was great. Yeah, I, so, the, it, we could we could go for another half an hour on this game. It was a great game to watch. Um, you know, if you, if you stayed up for Thursday night football, you were rewarded. Um, and I think the, the which is a the, rare, rare treat. <laughs> the football gods kind of borrowed from this week in that manner. Like they just went, mm, we're just going to take all the good play that might come from week three's Thursday night football and put it into this <laughs> Thursday night football um, on some sort of NFL game credit card. But yes, but, you know, Amazon, Amazon called in their favors and, and got themselves <laughs> exactly a prime time. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on to onto the next one, um, which is Cardinals Raiders, which. Talking about, hey, let's pull a guy out of the game when he probably shouldn't be in there. Yeah, so, so I, I, look, I, I kind of have to to fall onto you one to you one <laughs> onto you for this one a little bit. Um, in full disclosure, illness befell my household pretty badly from about half past nine till about half past five this morning, um, in the form of much expulsion of bodily fluids from both my partner and my child. <laughs> um, so I saw the entire first half of this game where the Raiders looked like the best team on the planet and the Cardinals looked like the second coming of the 0-16 Cleveland Browns. Um, and then came back down 45 minutes later to a Cardinals rally and then saw a couple of drives where not much happened, and then we had to go back upstairs and redeal with some issues, and came back downstairs to watch a fumble six get returned in overtime. Um, yes, I can talk to the first half where the the pass rush of the Raiders were just unbelievable. Derek Carr looked fine to good with occasional incredible splashes. He spread the ball around really well at the start. Mac Hollins had five receptions on eight targets. Renfro got a bit more of the play this time with 10 targets. Um, Darren Waller came to the game with a touchdown and Devontae Adams just had two receptions. Um, Josh Jacobs looked like a really effective running back, but looking at the box score here, only had 3.6 yards per rush on 19 carries. <laughs> so I assume... Like just trying to put it together, they just went in the tank second half, and the Cardinals just stopped the run and forced them to punt. Um, how much of this can you talk to me about, <laughs> Brad? Not too much. Maybe the ending, because that's when I sort of tuned into it. Um, and in terms of what Kyler was doing, I think that the Raiders, from the from the most part, their second half, they just became a bit of a nondescript team, not trying to do much. And a note to the Raiders and to every other team in the NFL, uh, 20 points is not going to kill off most <laughs> yeah. NFL teams. Yeah. The, the, the rest of the NFL aren't the 
21 Giants or Carolina Panthers. You're going to need more. And they just lack that uh, that X factor to go ahead and kill a game off. And that opened up the door for Kyler to get a little bit more jittery. Although I have had his play ruined for me now because someone... Uh, has pointed out that he runs like a toddler that just stole their parents' phone, which I believe is something that you may be able to relate to. Oh, it's Tom. 100% accurate. It's, it's remarkable <laughs> how I didn't spot it beforehand, to be honest, mate. He's uh, That was apparently in his scouting report, which someone pulled up there and said, and, and then shared the highlight, and it does honestly just look perfect. Uh, perfect description for it. Yeah, he just got... He just got loose and the Cardinals just were able to just start stringing a few things together. Uh, Darrell Williams and Eno Benjamin looked capable uh, to, to very effective. James Connor's in there for those short, big bruising runs. You know, I think he suffered, it, he suffered an injury, again. but it's not expected to be anything serious. Yeah. Just so and he did well. And then, and then the main thing I saw was the overtime because everything else on red zone was done. Um, we saw the Kyler make the big play um, to to tie the game uh, in both the two point conver- the initial touchdown and the two point conversion. Um, it was a long, long rush to tie the game, where basically the Raiders just covered everyone, and it took about twelve seconds. And then Kyler was like fuck it, I'm just going to run it in. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the longest plays I think I've seen in a, in a while. And yeah, then we get to overtime. The Cardinals go for it. They they turn it over on downs. But uh, on third and three, Derek Carr throws it to Renfro. He gets absolutely rocked by Zayvon Collins. Fumbles, and, he, and Renfro fumbles the ball. Uh, and he's left in there. And then there's another pass attempt. But then uh, they throws it again to to Renfro and this time Renfro gets absolutely he gets knocked out because he was dealing with a concussion after the game was test, taking him for a concussion test and he just gets knocked out and Byron Murphy Jr. picks up the fumble takes it 59 yards uh, walk off score for the win and to me it was just one of those where the Raiders took their foot off the gas and, and didn't kill the game like they needed to uh, and then they said they, they fucked around with someone's health as well I, I believe because um, that first hit was bad enough, and then that second hit was yeah completely lights out, which is terrible for for a guy who is the X factor to that offense. Um, Carr couldn't hit Devonte Adams much all day, so you know they they need to work out what to do, how to how to get him into space, and what to do around that. And for 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 Josh McDaniels to start off at zero and two, oh. Came in with a lot of hype, but it's yeah, not well, looking good. Th- this was a Raiders performance purely by the sounds of things in the description and model of Josh McDaniels. Looked flashy at the start, full of kind of promise, and then just fell away into nothingness and vanilla extract by the end of it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, a weird spot for both these teams, but uh, it, it, this is this is what the Cardinals needed. It's more of the same of what the Cardinals offer. And for the Raiders, they're lucky that this next team are in their division, uh, which is the 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 Seahawks. Well, sorry, is the Bronco, the Denver Broncos are in their division, who faced Houston. Um, this was Collins' game. Uh, I don't believe he actually sent over any notes on these two. Oh, this one is the one he traded to me. 
Oh, okay. Do you want to run us through very quickly uh, the, the Texans and the Broncos? I don't understand how the Broncos are this appalling at playing football right now. It, it, it astounds me. They've won this one 16-9 in a game that was literally all field goals until the fourth quarter. Um, the Texans continue to be pesky in that sort of 2021 Detroit Lions way. Um, but the, again, they have a Jeff Driscoll package on offense. Like, what? What more do you need to know about that team? <laughs> Damian Pierce played like rushed with strength and burst for points of it, but his longest rush was twelve yards. Um, Davis Mills is just—he is what it is, right? <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> the story of this game was Russell Wilson went fourteen of thirty-one for two hundred nineteen yards, a touchdown, and a pick, and looked abysmal at times I believe he started 4 out of 19 passes maybe 6 out of 19 passes but an, an appalling stat line for a guy that A. signed the contract he did B. was traded for the amount that he was and, and C. generally considered to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league up until this this has to be a function of a few things I guess they're just the timing and the chemistry isn't there with the wide receivers or the offense isn't working. Nathaniel Hackett is probably the worst head coach in football right now in terms of clock management. Um, there was one time where it was like fourth and two in that sort of maybe, maybe not area of the field. Um, but the, it's it's at, it's in Denver. It's at mile high. So you can tack on like an extra 102 yards to any kicker's field goal length. Um, and they they sort of they kept the offense out there for a little bit, and the and the crowd went a bit you know they they livened up as they do, and then the cameramen weren't sure where to go because then all of a sudden the offense came off the field, and then the field goal unit ran onto the field, but because it had taken them so long, they got done for a delay of game, and they ended up having to punt, and that is absolutely like that cannot happen. I appreciate second game as an NFL head coach. And there's a lot of moving parts that go with that. But if you haven't hired someone, like if, you, if you're not capable of doing that and you haven't hired someone to look out for that, then that still falls on you. Um, the home fans in this game were counting down the play clock by the second half, um, which just gives you an idea of how kind of bitter the entire atmosphere was towards them. And yet they come out with a win. They are one and one um, which I'm trying to think of where that puts them in the West. They're, they're at least tied for second, aren't they? Um, yes, uh, they're tied for well, the Because the Chiefs are 2-0, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, they hold all the cards, but coming off of the loss last week on Monday Night Football where the two running backs fumbled a, a couple of um, handoffs inside the one, they have put up 30, uh, yeah, 32 points in two games, 16 points each time. And it's like red zone play calling was abysmal. They were chucking it all over the shop this time. The the, the sort of lone offensive spark is Cortland Sutton, who caught 122 yards worth of uh, passes this week. Nobody else caught over 28 yards. Uh, Jerry Judy and Patrick Sertain both left this game, by the way. Um, I think Jerry Judy is sort of week to week, whereas Pat Sertain is considered day to day. It is a sort of nothing game that we thought it was going to be, but we thought it was going to be a nothing game because we looked at these two teams and went, the Broncos will score 30 points, right? And they didn't. It was just dire all around. 
I just want us to fast forward. I don't know how the Broncos have made it so difficult that they can't just give the ball to Javante Williams and Melvin <laughs> Gordon 40 times. And Russell Wilson throws when he needs to and builds up rapport and everything goes as it's supposed to go, you know, just builds up. I don't understand why they've overcomplicated. I system. I wonder if there's a big ego thing there, where where they've gone out and they've spent these picks and they've spent this capital on the quarterback and Hackett's obviously come from this pass happy system and they're like, right, okay, we're gonna make this work with the pass. But the Even, worst thing is Hackett left a system where it's, it's thrived best in recent years by utilizing a two running back system. Yes, very true. Very true. So um, unless Wilson has this GM by the balls and is forcing this in, I don't get it. And if that is the case, it's so massively incorrect and egotistical to not see that the level of play isn't good enough to pull this off. Especially after the Seahawks pulled your pants down last week and showed your biggest vulnerability to the world and put it on tape for everyone to see. It's, yeah, incredulous is the only thing I can come out of uh, of this game with. Go on then, Brad. So, Talk us to the Commanders and the Lions. I don't get how the Lions are the way that they are, but my God, do I appreciate it every step of the way. They are a team built, like, they're fully built to win in the trenches right now, and it's just, they're sort of like the epitome of, if you build it, they will come. Or if you wait for it, good things will happen. Because that's just generally what tends to happen. That Their big plays don't make a lot of sense overall. But they just, you know, they, they play good, consistent, basic, you know, footballs. They, they get the fundamentals down. And then, cool, your skill players are going to go off and make something happen. And it, it, it it's fun to watch. It doesn't make sense. It hurts your eyes to be like, okay, Jared Goff's quarterbacking a team that that's doing this. What? And yet it works. DeAndre Swift on a slightly bum ankle will just suddenly reel off a 50-yard uh, rush. Uh, and once Ross St. Brown will reel off a 58-yard on an end around. Uh, DeAndre Swift will score a 22-yard touchdown where the ball is delivered to him so that he falls down but just gets up and then breaks breaks a tackle, dodges three more defenders and gets to the end zone. It's it, Josh, uh, Jared Goff sorry, will just deliver an absolute dime piece to a Munra St. Brown in, in the left corner of the end zone. It's They just win at the, bat, uh, at the line of scrimmage and everything else comes after that. And the Commanders, my biggest takeaway about... There are two big takeaways, I should say, I have about their offensive performance. The first one is they have one of the best receiver cores I think you could ask for in terms of a surefire number one guy in Terry McLaurin, an excellent route runner in Jahan Dotson, who in two weeks has three touchdowns and uh, multiple two-point conversions, looks a fantastic draft pick, and Curtis Samuel, who is a great gadget and X-Factor guy. You, you couldn't ask for more from that. So how the fact they struggled to put that together for the first half and scored a grand total of zero points is beyond me. Uh, but the second thing is, whoever agreed that JD McKissick could change his number from 41 to 23 needs to be fired anyway, um, just because that adds to too much confusion trying to work out whether it's McKissick or Gibson in there in the backfield um, for me watching it which I just don't appreciate 
yeah, the Commanders are really just a team of nothing that will win seven, eight games. Uh, arguably, they shouldn't. But this Lions team, they're fun. You don't know why, but they just are. <laughs> and Dan Campbell, I don't know what it is, but just seeing that man in any post-game, seeing him on the sidelines, seeing him in the post-game activities they get up to, it does just make you feel like someone's built a wall for you to run through whenever you see him talk. And apparently that's getting results. And between the, him and Mike McDaniel, I'm all for this. If this is the modern style of coaching, give it to me. Because I would much rather watch these teams than, than any others. The Detroit Lions are that sexy older sister of a mate that smiled at you once when you were about 14. And you're like, <laughs> and you're like it's not going to happen. But I'm just gonna follow it along and just and just hope that it does. It just it just could be anything. It I don't think there's any bigger Cinderella story that we're all rooting for than the Detroit Lions. Uh, it's just yeah, I would would love to see it and uh, love to see it happen for them. Um, gritty teams that don't quite give up or know when they're beat. Tom, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, yeah, reading whatever for column. Reading from column chapter verse. Um, very nearly <laughs> a bottle job by the Rams, who gave the Falcons two chances to take the lead, despite at one point being up by twenty-eight points to three. Uh, which is, I should say the final score was thirty-one to twenty-seven to the Rams. Rams looked comfortable from the start, although the Falcons showed an ability to move the ball, um, but lacked the ability to press it into the end zone. With the score at 31-10 to in the fourth quarter, the Falcons orchestrated a quick touchdown drive followed by a blocked punt for a touchdown and suddenly found themselves down by just six points. The Falcons' defense managed to get a fumble from Cooper Cup, but with the game seemingly on the line for the Falcons, Mariota threw up a jump ball against probably the best jump ball defender in the league and Ramsey came away with the pick. That's a very weird statement. I'm not sure Ramsey's <laughs> ever been called that. A quick stop meant that the Falcons were likely to get the ball back with about 20 seconds left. However, the Rams decided to take a tactical safety and instead had the ability to free kick from the 30 with just six seconds left to play. This brilliant tactic was immediately undermined by the kickoff going out of bounds, setting the Falcons <laughs> up in Hail Mary range, but the Rams D held strong and forced the strip sack to end the game. Mario had a strong game despite what the stat line shows. He moved the ball well and back and back luck, bad luck played plagued the offense. Another day may have seen us talking about their masterful comeback. Um, yeah, Colin mentioned it in the write-up there. My favorite statistic from this entire game is that Brandon Powell had one carry for minus 26 yards. <laughs> and that is obviously the, the intentional safety. Um, yeah, the, the fact that the Falcons managed to almost put a Falconsing onto the Rams and then Falcons up their Falconsing was was like way too meta for me. Um, normally they're the team with the lead that managed to throw it away. In this one, they were the team that came storming back and then did fuck all with it. Um, a few sort of things that stand out from this one. Uh, Cordero Patterson had one target <laughs> mm. Kyle Pitts had two receptions for 19 yards on three targets but Drake London came to play eight receptions, 86 yards in his first touchdown of his career off 12 targets um, there was questions or there were questions to you know be at all grammatically correct about like whether London could exist with Pitts getting a bunch of targets and I think we've sort of seen how that's going to play out um, big boy run fast and is receiver is going to play out over big boy run slightly less fast and is tight end 
but <laughs> it could well be week to week. Um, Alan Robertson had a bit of a resurgence this week, and Cam Akins, Cam Cam Akins, Cam Akers looked functional, if not the same guy, and ended up with 15 carries and 44 yards, which, as uh, maths experts tell me, is just under three yards a carry. This is what these two teams are. Falcons are trying to lose pluckily and the Rams get back onto winning ways. It makes the Falcons fun to watch. <laughs> Regardless of if they should be or not, it makes them fun to watch. So if you're, if you're on a bye week and you're looking for a team to watch, it'll probably be the Falcons. Um, to finish off our don't call it a comeback segment, uh, just a slight spoiler. Uh, the Panthers at the Giants. This was uh, 19 to 16 for the Giants. Uh, dubiously titled Don't Call It a Comeback, really, uh, considering I don't think either of these teams have emerged offensively uh, since 2021. Uh, if you'd have put this in a time capsule uh, and forced me to watch it, I would have just had a few questions about who was uh, <laughs> on the sidelines and quarterbacking the Panthers, but uh, it's just. Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield are the Spider-Man pointing meme, except instead of pointing at each other, they're barreling down and lasering in on their first read. Like, they're just pointing over the shoulder and going, yeah, there's Sterling Shepard, there's DJ Moore. And it just makes for predictable defense plays. Uh, McCaffrey and Barkley both look great especially for two running backs that have a, a lot of injury questions around them they both look fantastic right now uh but the game was really just one in the trenches who can get the six to eight yard rushes uh to not have your qb have to do anything more than throw it five yards downfield uh settle for a field goal uh and then hope your defense can get the other qb hurried to make them make them make one of many errant throws uh, if you can't tell, neither QB won their team this game, but they played safe enough that they didn't lose it for them either. 23 of the 35 points came from kickers. Um, but the big note for me is the Giants are 2 over the first time in six years. We lead the NFC East as of recording. Super Bowl or bust continues. And for those who would like to say, oh, the Giants are the worst 2-0 team I've ever seen. First of all, the Panthers were 3-0 last year with Sam Darnold, and the Steelers went 12-0. So fuck off with that noise, because, you know, we're perfectly average, and we know what we are. <laughs> did you catch any of this, Tom, or did you save yourself the pain? I really don't think I did. Like, just as you were going through <laughs> that, I was like, I don't think I saw a single snap from this game. Um, oh, no, I did. I did. It was... It, there, Daniel there was... Ballinger, toucher? Uh, no, 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 no. It was it was Daniel Jones getting hit like seven yards behind the line of scrimmage after the commentators were like praising how the offensive line had played or something. It was literally the next snap. It was very impressive timing. Um, they have been. We should be mentioned. Andrew Thomas uh, is the number one left tackle in the league right now, according to PFF. So uh, my flip flopping with PFF continues. I was going to uh, say, Brad, you have said according to PFF ever. twice too many times on this podcast. Today, all right, <laughs> they're in my good books this week. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, we, we can move on from this. Don't ever watch the Panthers. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, we're now moving to uh, a section called Long Slogs uh, of Games to Watch. So don't go back and watch them if you can. Uh, however, we will go short on the games and long on to ripping on the coaching. 
Tom, start off off with the Seahawks 49ers, which, contrary to the weather reporters, was looked perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, I, so I originally drafted this game because I was like, right, let's get let's get some teeth into Trey Lance and the 49ers offense um, in, in a game that isn't being played in apocalyptic day after tomorrow weather. And that didn't last very long. Um, I turned it off when Trey Lance exited with an ankle injury and so I was very very glad when Colm offered to do the write up for it today because I haven't put I didn't go back and watch it <laughs> after that point um, however I will give you the score first of this one uh, which was a lot to very few 27 to 7 in favour of the 49ers it finished and here is Colm known 49ers fans write up of the game a game where there is very little to talk uh, talk of the results. Most of the focus of this game is on the ankle injury sustained by Trey Lance in the first quarter, which will require season-ending surgery, opening the door for the return of Jimmy Garoppolo. The run was Trey Lance's third of the game and was a QB power on second and eight from midfield. After the game, Kyle Shanahan faced a lot of criticism for his use of design quarterback runs. Trey will enter his third year of his NFL career, having played a total of 15 quarters of regular season football. For the rest of the game, we saw the good and not so good from Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy made some quick throws into tight coverage, but the offense also looked disjointed and out of sorts as the game reached the closing stages. The team as a whole did improve on criticism we leveled at it last week. 11 fewer penalties and much better play by the interior offensive line meant that the team as a whole did a better job of not shooting itself in the foot. The Seahawks appeared to be the Seahawks. We anticipated they'd be at the beginning of the season. The defensive backs allowed too much coverage. (laughs) And the offense struggled mightily to move the ball consistently. The one time they did find the red zone, Pete Carroll dialed up one of the worst halfback plays, <laughs> halfback pass plays you are ever likely to see with DJ Dallas throwing the ball square into the chest of Javarius Ward, who was seven yards in front of DK Metcalf at the back of the end zone. The Seahawks' seven points came on a blocked field goal, which came as a result of the 49ers botching a shotgun snap on third down when the center threw the ball <laughs> directly into his own ass. <laughs> If not for the horribly horrible injury to Lance, this game was objectively hilarious. Right. Let me start <laughs> on the Trey Lance thing and the Carl Shanahan thing. And then I'll let you go. So just consider this the wind-up. Now, Colm has asked me to present his side of things uh, and make sure that we, that we note it. Uh, in that he defends this. His immediate thoughts were, you cannot run a mobile quarterback because of the risk they might get injured, but you do have to be more selective about how you use them. Fair. I, for, for a 49ers fan, fair. However, from my perspective, this is fucking stupid, and the 49ers and their history of players getting injured is no longer just a curse or a freak thing that happens it is it's just consistently they are bad at conditioning from the run and the difference of styles in which Trey Lance is running compared to other mobile quarterbacks like Kyler like Lamar hell even um a Baker Mayfield like some of the runs that these quarterbacks are making they know how to protect themselves. I think Tom Brady has talked about the importance of knowing how to take a hit. Knowing how to go down when you need to, to protect yourself. And it seems like the 49ers skip this step of every training camp, every practice, and now it's led to a terrible injury. And uh, the Trey Lance injury play and the Lamar Jackson uh, 79 yard touchdown play 
are pretty much the exact same play, yet with two wildly different results. And it's not just because all oh, the defender was there. It's because of how they were designed and executed by the players and how the coaches know and can trust those players to do that. And I don't think Kyle Shanahan... Either Kyle Shanahan doesn't know his players well enough to know that they can pull these plays off as they should, or he's just ignorant of that fact and wants to do it anyway, which is just terrible. So I'm I'm all out on Kyle Shanahan, uh, as, as we've already Nick? discussed uh, <laughs> at length in this preseason. But yeah, this is this just feels like terrible mismanagement. And now, uh, full credit for John Lynch to getting uh, Jimmy Garoppolo back on a deal that's favourable to the team. And Jimmy now faces a chance to make, I think it's up to like 5.7 mil in incentives. As the 49ers will again probably go 7 and 10, 8 and 9, something around that mark. Tom, take it to the... T- Take Shanahan out back where where I've already got him. Yeah, I'll take him to the farm state. <laughs> yeah, do, now, do, do I, do. so right there, there there are two two lines of this right. There are two kind of paths to walk down. One is as as both you and Colin and basically everyone has stated, the reason you drafted and and traded all you did to go and get Trey Lance and the reason you've given him the keys is not because of how he plays when he's in the pocket. Sure, he has a cannon for an arm, but there is no part of his passing game from, okay, what we saw last week, but also what we've seen last year and in college that went, yeah, this dude can be a a, a Brady, a Stafford, a Rodgers with just his arm. It was the complete package. You were drafting him for his legs. So as soon as he becomes your starter and as soon as he's in the game, you have to use his legs or else it is fucking pointless doing what you did to go and get him. That said... The negligence from Shanahan comes from everything leading up to the start of that game in terms of teaching the dude, as you've said, how to take a fucking hit, when to get down, how to get out of bounds. Now, a snapped angle is kind of as freak injury as it's going to get, right? It's not mm. like he's been held up by a player because he didn't slide or he didn't like glance off of a tackle. His, his foot has been, he's gone up the middle, his foot's been trapped under a defender and it's gone the wrong way. That isn't, that isn't like taking a huge sack or, or not getting, you know, not going out of bounds and trying to get two extra yards. So it is it is freak from that standpoint. But every part of last week's game, you looked at it and you went, this dude ain't making it to the end of the season. And so at some point between the end of, of the Chicago game and the start of this game, and every time before the start of the Chicago game, had to be, look, Trey, you, you are the quarterback that we want to move forward. You are the number one guy. Like, you... You need to learn how not to hurt yourself because these guys are going to be coming to hit you. Like as soon as you keep that ball, you are a fucking walking target, motherfucker. And people are going to hit you with everything they've got because you are the new fancy rookie. You're going to make him look stupid one play to the next. And so, like this, this Niners team had its warts. And it was very unlikely that they were going to do major kind of noise making in the postseason. But now you are essentially back where you were last year. All this money that Jimmy Garoppolo, all this extra money that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make, by the way, is going to go on to next year's cap 
because it, it's not likely to be earned at the moment, but becomes likely to be earned next year. So that's five and a half, six extra mil that they are. Uh, they've again got on this mysterious NFL credit card we're talking about. Um, <laughs> which, you know, six mil in the end of the world, but when you're looking at paying Bosa next season, that's the six mil that you can't do anything with. Like, it's just on the cap, full stop. But the the larger scale picture of this is now... What the fuck do the Niners do going forward? They've released a statement today um, where the wording was very sort of up in the air. It talked about looking forward to getting Trey Lance back during the 2023 season, not before the 2023 season, which, sure, it is what it is, and we're a long way out from it. But, you know, this isn't an injury that you would expect to hinder him long term, but equally... It's a running quarterback, and he has injured a major joint in one of his legs. Um, mm. Like there, there is a chance, and I, I'm not trying to be too fucking reactionary to this, right? But there is a chance that this injury has pissed away all the capital that they traded up for Lance, and he he is now never the player that he could have been if he could have even been that player, because there are still doubts as to whether he made any sort of leap that he needed to from the guy that we saw in his first year and the guy that we saw in college who was raw as balls. Like there's a, yeah. there's so much to unpack here. Also, the Seahawks are objectively terrible. Um, and, and need to just stop being an NFL franchise for a little bit. Um, the, the, well, they're the planning inter- to at least. Right? Yes. At least the, they start the up front about that. Play, the interception play is like how you line up with four running backs on the field and you throw a pick. Pete Carroll is smoking <laughs> something up in Washington. Like, that is remarkable. But he's allowed to. That's the joy of when you win a Super Bowl and you get to another one and everyone commits to a tank and a And have rebuild. mild dementia, yeah. And you're 70 and you're going to retire soon anyway, so you'll probably hand the keys off. You're allowed to do whatever the fuck you want, it's which like, includes starting Brad. five running backs. Which Brad. Is, It's a good sign for Colum because it means Pete Carroll might implement the 2QB strategy. Brad. No, it's with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, but still. Dude, dude. The, Geno Smith threw 30 passes, completed 24 of them, and yet had 197 yards. <laughs> Geno <laughs> Smith is everything people were telling you late stage check down Manning was. Yeah. Um, 49ers defense is really good. <laughs> like for, for everything they got some really splashy middle linebackers the defensive backs look like they're going to hold up because their pass rush is really good like we, we do have to say that they are going to win they are they are going to win seven or eight games just yeah. off that defense really anyway moving um, on yes two more uh, long slog games to watch where not a lot happened uh, except embarrassment for most of the teams involved Tom let's start off with and he didn't give us one but I will, I will declare it now. This was the shellacking of the week. Uh, Do you reckon the Colts so? versus the Jags? Oh yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have you know that I messaged Colum and asked him for a shellacking of the week. And in my best Colum impression, I'm going to say, Tom, hit that bell. <laughs> yes, um, this is the shellacking of the week. Certified Colum Taylor stamp of approval. The Indianapolis Colts were shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars. There are a lot of stats around them. I'm sure you probably have them, Brad. It's the third time the Colts have been shut out in the last X amount of years, and they've all come at the hands of the Jaguars. 
Um, the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since like 2014. Um, this finished 24 nothing, And it should have been closer. The Colts played poorly. Matt Ryan went through periods of looking like an absolute bum. But this was a typical the wide receivers are not good game. Michael Pittman didn't play this um, game due to an injury. And so the top receivers for the Colts were Ashton Doolin, Naheem Hines, Desmond Patman, Michael... Uh, like, it looks like Strachan, but I think it's Strahan somehow. Um, like, there was just no separation. Again, Ryan threw three picks, and it was not good. They failed multiple fourth and goals. Um, Jonathan Taylor couldn't really get anything going bar cracking a long one for 21 yards. But only having nine carries is criminal. The Jags just look like a uh, a decent NFL team. Trevor Lawrence was efficient, 25 off 30. But again, his his weapons are just a bit better than what the Colts had today. Christian Kirk, <laughs> Ingram, Marvin Jones. like It's fine. James Robinson broke a long touchdown, but after that was pretty much clogged up by a decent indie defensive line. This isn't a good game. It's not even a bad game. It's just a nothing game. Um, the Colts are not as bad as 0-1-1, but have played bad enough to be 0-1-1. This will get right eventually, but the, the sort of ever-rotating left tackle spot since Anthony Costanzo went from the Colts is really showing up now. Um... Yeah, that you can't just ask Quentin Nelson to do everything on that offensive line. It's turning out, um, but like guys, the Jags confuse me because you spent a first round pick on Travis Etienne last year. You had one of the best undrafted running backs coming out of the draft a year previous. That's obviously James Robinson, um, <laughs> and yet you continue to give Jamal Agnew touches and targets. Um, he dropped a touchdown, like a, a deep touchdown. He had two carries in this game. Like, okay, that's three plays, but that's three too many for Jamal Agnew in <laughs> on a team that has you know, <laughs> decent players everywhere else. I'm just not sure I enjoy that line of sort of thinking. This is going to be a rough watch for indie fans. They'll come back. They'll end up seven or eight wins, but for a team that you thought could put it all together with a late stage Matt Ryan, they are just a they are a carbon copy of the last three years of Indianapolis Colts. A good roster that whenever they suffer a particular injury, be it defensive line or safety or middle linebacker or wide receiver, like one injury to a star player is enough to just totally fuck them. Yeah. I mean, they're already fucked, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have uh, Tom, Bucks Saints. I thought you took this game. Nope. Okay, because I haven't watched this game. <laughs> I let's have a look. Buck Saints, nope, it's definitely you. <laughs> hmm. I don't know this... why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I, I watched enough of it because obviously Red Zone was sort of plugged in on it until they realised this was doing nothing. Um, this was three three until the fourth quarter. It finished twenty to ten to the Bucks thanks to some late-stage Jameis Winston um, pickage action. He threw three picks in the final quarter, um, and some Brady just about ah, getting some offense going. The Jameis um, Winston we knew and love. Yeah, the, both of these defenses are better than these offenses at the moment. 
The Saints missed Alvin Kamara, so that meant that Mark Ingram got serious play in 2022. He actually came out with 60 yards of 10 carries. Um, yeah, both of these QBs were like just about um, 50% completion rating on the day. Like, there is not much to say about this game. The Bucks played basically full of injuries. Godwin didn't play. Um, Julio Jones was injured. Their right tackle was injured. Um, Scotty Miller was playing with one hand. Well, yeah. Um, but like the two biggest moments were not during plays. Tom Brady had a hissy <laughs> fit at Microsoft tablets yet again. Um, and, and just looked every bit like he didn't want to play football anymore for large portions of this. Um, and then Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, what's this? Chapter five at this point. Those two just literally hate each other. Lattimore had a bit of a dig at, uh, um, I'm trying to think who it was, um, pushed someone after the play, and Mike Evans with... It was Brady, Ed, I think. Was it Brady? Bra- Brady, Mike- Brady was Brady was chirps into um, Lattimore. Uh, Lattimore gave him a little shove, and Evans came back over and was like, thank you for the invitation, uh, and basically shoved Lattimore to the ground. Uh, he then got pushed back. Lattimore got up. Evans went in on Lattimore, hands were thrown, uh, and Mike Evans is now suspended for a game. Yeah, he, he plans to appeal, which might... Um, Not assume... a chance. Well, Not a well, chance well but, but, though, right? but the tactic is, right, is if it takes them more than a week to look at it, which it probably won't, but if it does, he will play this week, which gives them another week to wait until Godwin Fair. comes back. Like, I think that's probably what it is. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's probably lost. You can lost see it on their YouTube highlights there. compilation quite quickly, so hopefully they don't <laughs> take too long. Yeah, this this game, these two teams have to be better than this, or or else the Falcons might actually win the division. Like the the Bucks are two and zero, <laughs> but they are not a good two and zero right now. Every worry we had about Brady in terms of like the interior offensive line and the lack of cohesion in the offense is showing. But it it really is important to point to the the injuries they've got on that offense right now, um, and also if you get a chance and you happen to see it, the Tom Brady touchdown pass um, to Brashard Perryman, Brady puts everything and more into that pass, and it gets there like it's on the money, it's it, it's correct, but boy, like <laughs> that was all the effort he has um, in in his you know surgically reconstructed body at this point. Yeah, that leaves us with with one game left to discuss, uh, which is Bears Packers from uh, Sunday Night Football. Uh, not too much for this. I'm covering up on behalf of Colin, but I'll read you through Colin's things first. Y'all like run plays because this game had a lot of them. The Packers remembering they have two seemingly Hall of Fame running backs, at least in comparison to the glorified insurance salesman they are trotting out at receiver. Decided to focus on the ground and pound, and it's paid its dividends. Aaron Jones in particular broke off some huge plays and finished with 132 yards and a touchdown for his day. Rodgers looked much better than last week, where he and his receivers showed a severe lack of familiarity. This week, he leaned more on his vets, but spread the ball around very evenly and threw for two touchdowns. The Bears, for their part, didn't put much trust in Justin Fields to get them going with the only attempting 11 passes and finishing with just 70 air yards. The stat line for the Bears receiving core is embarrassing. 
Uh, for all this, the Bears stood at shot at getting to within a score, but twice Fields was uh, stopped at the end zone with time left in the fourth quarter. A review and a goal line stand kept him from adding another six points to the score. From what I saw of this game, yeah, Aaron Jones was pretty much his entire show. He was just taking 10, 15 yards at will via the ground, via the air. Do it how you want to. And I think the main the main talking point that's come out after this now is that Justin Fields has kind of insulted the Chicago Bears fan base. Uh, when asked about it, he said, you know, they're not the ones out there working. So No, they're, they're just the ones working all week to also, pay to go and watch you. Like, shut the fuck up, man. I, I hate that so much. Oh, they, they don't have a, you know they're not as upset as us. I can guarantee you they are because once you leave and and end up you know doing commercials for fucking Camel's Light or whatever, like they will still be supporting the like the Bears franchise. They will still be there. Come thick off it. Like this shit fucks me off no end. You're paying you get paid millions of quid or dollars to, to, to chuck a ball around and okay like yeah it sucks when you lose a game and it sucks when I lose a game of shitty village cricket right uh, never mind NFL, but you're still on the field shaking hands with guys at the end of the game and like dapping people up and change like swapping jerseys and that like if it was really that bad I don't think we'd see any of that shit so shut the fuck up anyway Justin Fields attempted 11 passes in this game um, last week in the, you know, torrential downpour of, of um, fucking whatever it was, cats and dogs and other household animals, uh, <laughs> he threw 17. So I don't quite understand what the game plan was here. Um, is it still Eberflus in yeah, Chicago? Is it still? He just started. Well, but, and, and yet that tells you just how badly these first two weeks have gone, despite them being one and one. Just to finish off the flip-flopping, uh, Lamar Jackson had a 66.4 grade on PFF for his game against the Miami Dolphins. So go fuck yourself, PFF. Uh, that's fucking stupid. So that takes us on to Monday Night Football, uh, the, the doubleheader that comes around once every... Well, no, sorry, a couple of times every season was what I was trying to say. Um, Brad... Do you want to take us through um, what can only be described as the absolute pounding that happened down at Orchard Park? I'm going to overrule Colm because he did not foresee this shellacking uh, that the Buffalo Bills had. Can we have two shellacking in one week? It feels like this is a week to have two shellackings in one week. Perhaps, Perhaps what we'll do is we'll make an executive decision that he has to uh, designate a week of no shellacking in the future. So, so uh, Brad, double, would you like header, to say the magic dub- words? Yes, this is the shellacking of the Monday Night Football. Uh, <laughs> you have to tell me to hit that bell, which isn't hit a the bell. Hit the bell, sorry. Yeah, this one started up close. And, oh, it goes on and on. <laughs> This one started off close uh, and then very, very quickly got away from the Titans and they never had a chance at pulling it back. Um, they did, it was a, the Bills started with a with a touchdown and the Titans replied with one. The Bills then turned it over on downs and then the Titans, to their credit, they were going for it because they knew that they needed to put up points against this offense uh and they were just unable to the 
the the offense was misfiring for them. They couldn't get Derek Henry started all game. Um, the Bills were covered in the secondary. Tannehill looked bad at points. He made some good throws, but ultimately he was playing a lot of catch up to a team which I mean Josh Allen. Josh Allen just looks the complete picture right now. Um, and in, t- in terms of just calm as a quarterback, this Bills team look like they suffered a few big injuries this game, which we'll, we'll, we'll wait for more news on. But ultimately, they look the complete picture right now. They've only gotten stronger in the offseason. They were missing Gabriel Davis, but that's fine because Jake Kumaro just came in and absolutely held down the ship and gave Davis his spot. Stefan Diggs could find space in a phone box against a defender because he just seems to be open at all times. He had 12 catches, 148 yards, three touchdowns. And yeah, unsurprisingly, by the by the third quarter when it was when it was 41 to 7, uh the, the final quarter was pretty much just a Bills crowd party, uh singing, <laughs> chanting and doing what they want. The Titans waved the white flag. They pulled the starters. Uh, Malik Willis and Hassan Haskins came in um, to do a lot of the offensive work. Use that term very loosely. And the Bills switched over to Case Keenum and James Cook got his first you know, proper run out um, as a lead back in that fourth quarter. And it was just... It, the Bills just absolutely decimated. You could see the Titans were like, cool, there's absolutely no way. Even if they had... I think even if they were within two scores, they still probably could have waved the white flag at the same time, just because the Bills were that much of a th- the Bills were just that much of a threat on offense. And from, from everything you've described, it sounds very similar to the Chiefs Steelers playoff game last year, where it was just like we are not on the same planet as this team. We could yeah. have had all the breaks. Like in, in that game, TJ Watt had a defensive touchdown as the first score, and as you said, the Titans leveled it up in this one, um seven seven. And then after that it was like, Oh yeah, no, it turns out we it, like this is just a different game you are playing. Yeah, it was it was insane. And all the ills of the Titans secondary and their offense last week were just blown up into the stratosphere. You know, you know, in terms of under a microscope, the Bills saw what we saw last week and just said, "Cool, we're going to exploit that," and and they did. And as as an owner of Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen in respective fantasy leagues. It was a very fun game to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gut feeling, hot take, overreaction, etc., etc. Do the Titans get a top 10 pick in the draft this year? No, because they still play in the AFC South. (laughs) Fair enough. That's a a very level-headed response from you there. Yeah, (laughs) they've still got a great chance at at making the playoffs. Uh, Right, the other game in the Monday Night Doubleheader, which I didn't... Uh, subconsciously I forgot this is a thing or just never really clued in that it was a thing uh, but apparently it's a thing that happens a lot uh, we had the Eagles versus the Minnesota Vikings Monday night Kirk, primetime Kirk Cousins <laughs> uh, for all his this, ills good, bad or ugly this is such a weird game to watch mate um, <laughs> so it, it finished 24-7 to the Eagles uh, and I'll tell you now, no points were scored in the second half. 
Um, oh, wow. <laughs> um, the Eagles did exactly what they're going to try and do to every single team. Um, they play Jordan Davis on downs one and two, stick you in third and long, and then go, cool, we're going to rush four, drop seven, and see if you can complete a pass 14 yards downfield. Uh, and Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football with Justin Jefferson and all could not do that to save <laughs> their lives. Um, a 19-yard completion late in the fourth quarter to Adam Thielen was the longest play of the day for the Vikings. Justin Jefferson, who waltzed through the defensive backfield of the Packers last week, was kept pretty much very quiet um, by Darius Slay. He had one of the better cornerback days, I- I'm going to argue, of the season, like full stop. Um mm. He, he could have had three or four interceptions. The Eagles could have had as a team seven or eight. <laughs> and and yet, Kirk Cousins wasn't as bad as the stats will, will show him to be. He was 27 of 46, 221 yards, a touchdown and three picks. Um, they were, as I said, just made so one-dimensional. Dalvin Cook had six carries for 17 yards. Kirk Cousins was the leading rusher in this game with two for 20. <laughs> Like, for, the, for the Vikings, for the Vikings. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it is this is the nightmare scenario for the Vikings. The O-line gets obliterated, which means Dalvin Cook doesn't get four yards before he gets touched and therefore can't get up to speed. Um, and, and Justin Jefferson is kind of blanketed out of the game. And, and therefore, the defense isn't able to get the stops or the breaks that it needs. And then the Eagles came out and did their best sort of 1990s football impression and kind of refused to throw the ball in the second half. Um, Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts did well on the ground. They ran so much option stuff with Hurts this game. Um, and, and off the back of you know the Trey Lance conversation we had, it was just miraculous to see, like, okay, cool, head coaches are still just going to call this shit. Um, Hurts ended up rushing for 2-1, was, was not a designed run, and yet he took off and beat like three defenders at the goal line to, to kind of score the touchdown. Um, that's worth watching because it's like a, a play-action rollout, and it's, I think, designed to put like to stress the linebacker. The linebacker ends up holding Dallas Goddard. That Goddard, Goddard doesn't get the flag. Hurts then goes, all right, cool, I'm just going to run with the ball. So Goddard turns whilst being held and then blocks the defender like 15 yards downfield. <laughs> um yeah, this is what these two teams are, though. The Vikings are going to lose to good teams, um, barring sort of miraculous plays, of which they got literally none in this game. And the Eagles are just going to dispatch teams that aren't great. And I think this is like the most chalk game of the week. The Eagles should have scored a couple more, but also I think the Vikings probably scored, like should have scored 14 to 20 points. I don't think seven is a fair reflection of the game in them. And I think they'll probably come away not necessarily licking their wounds, but thinking like we didn't coach the best game. We didn't play our best game. Um, and really like, this is why they're a wild card team rather than, you know, a number one seed. Yeah, they, I didn't realize it was that bad in the in the second half. Uh, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> I caught the first half and I was like, "Wow, Hertz is dealing," and and the the Eagles could rack up forty here, and then they just 
I guess they just stopped. Uh, <laughs> this this was such a like this was such a beatdown in terms of performance that within about a quarter and a half, the Eagles' favorite play was when they punted so that Jalen Rager would be on the field for the Vikings. That's like that's how <laughs> not in question this game was from quite early on. Crikey! Well, I'll ask you and then the question, Tom. The NFC North. Every single one of those teams is one and one. Who you got? I still trust the Packers because they 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 haven't had both tackles on the field yet. Um, it is always going to be between the Vikings and the Packers. I think we said preseason that the Vikings, um, we we thought the Vikings were just going to edge it, but I, I I'm going to go with the Packers despite the fact they they lost to the Vikings, who are the the only good team they played because the Bears are shit. But it'll be a, a half a game in it maybe. Incorrect. We're going to go with the Detroit Lions, who have <laughs> the joint second highest powered offense in uh, the NFL right now. They are. <laughs> it literally is Bills seventy two points, the Chiefs and the Detroit Lions seventy one points each, uh, of points for. So those, uh, yeah, the Detroit Lions are winning the NFC North. Become a believer. <laughs> Become a believer. That should be the tagline of the end. The kick is good podcast this year. <laughs> Anyway, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the And The Kick Is Good podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at The Kick Is Up. But until next week, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Oh, I'm filling in for Colm. Love you. <laughs>